just sorry, Maddie. <laughs> um, I, I love that video. Um, those kids worshiping, like the whole video could be the kids worshiping. I watch it for hours. Hey, uh, the kids are going to dismiss now, um, as we get started. So, uh, my name is Joel Fletcher. I've been the student pastor here for about 16 months. And, uh, our lead pastor, Mark, is currently at a wedding, a family wedding. So he's out of town and, uh, we're wishing him safe travels as he comes on back. So I love that we start off with that video. Uh, we have a we have a team going to Haiti in the morning tomorrow, as you guys are aware of, uh, 16, which is pretty awesome. I also love seeing Luke get baptized this morning. Like, love that guy. And uh, it's been awesome to see him kind of begin his spiritual journey. So really excited about that, too. Um, also, I wanted to let you know that we're having another baptism two Sundays from now on Easter Sunday. So if you are interested, uh, you know, if, if you're in need of baptism um, or you have like a son or daughter who's in need of baptism, they've already accepted Christ. They just haven't fallen through or followed through with baptism yet. We would love to sign them up. You can let any staff member know or you can let the church office know. And we would love to get them signed up for that. Um, and then one more thing I want to tell you about. Uh, I, I normally don't get like a lot of airtime. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of this. Um, Kelly Hall, Leanne Powell, and I are uh, members of the family team here at Mandarin. And uh, we are so excited that we've got something that we've been working on for months called the Parent Conference, the Christ-Centered, Christ-Centered Parent Conference. And uh, let me tell you something. We have put everything into this event. We've got main session speakers. We brought in breakout speakers. There's a food truck in the parking lot as you come in, live music. Um, it's going to be awesome, and it's free for all parents who are sending their kids to RSM Weekend. So please sign up for that. And um, not only is it free, like every person that comes gets a free gift too. So we're basically paying you to teach you uh, about Christ-centered parenting. So it's it's a win-win-win. Um, but make sure you sign up for that. You, once again, you can sign up. You can see any staff member, or you can also sign up uh, through the church office. So interesting thing. Um, I was looking at the cornerstone of the chapel, you know, this building over here. Um, has anybody ever seen the cornerstone? Like, have you ever looked at it? Okay, so a few people. I love the cornerstone um, because I've been here for over a year, and I never really read it. And I was just always like, why is that thing there, you know? So uh, I, I remember looking at it for the first time, and I was reading on it, and something really interesting popped out at me, and it's that we are a church plant. Did you guys know that? We are a church plant of Franklin Street Baptist Church. In 1950, someone planted this church. And that's kind of different for me because when I think of a church plant, I think of, you know, like most of the congregations under 35, a bunch of hipsters walking around, uh, sweet websites, you know, and, and like that doesn't really like strike, you know, I don't know if that's us 100%, although we are rolling out a new website pretty soon, so I'm excited about that. But I was just thinking, you know, like when we were planted, in 1950, what, what was the intention? You know, why, why did someone, you know, leave where they were to plant us, um, in Mandarin? And, um, and even more than that, you know, I was thinking like, what, you know, who do we need to be? What are we about? What do we need to become as a church so that we are, you know, what God placed in those hearts that planted us as a church? And, and, uh, and that we are, you know, in the hearts, that we are what God placed in the hearts of our leadership at this church currently. So speaking on behalf of like our staff and leadership teams, um, this is who we need to become. This is who we need to be at Mandarin 
as a church. And we need to be a church that loves God. We need to be a church that serves all and a church that lives sent. So you may see this on your ministry guide, love God, serve all, live sent. Um, it's on there every week. It's at the bottom and you may read it and, and you may see it and you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, looks good. It's got periods on it. There's short sentences. I like that. But what does it like really mean? You know, what is it about? What does it mean to love God, serve all and live sent? So today I want to share with you what our church needs to be about and why we need to be about it. Um, let's start off with prayer though. God, as we begin this time, uh, I just acknowledge that I cannot do this without you. God, I pray that, that you would speak through your word, that uh, our church would be stirred to do incredible things for your kingdom. God, I thank you that you have huge plans for this church. You have plans for each person in it. And I pray that we would all just submit to those plans, that we would get right in them with you, and that we would do whatever it takes to carry out your mission. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, in the Bible, Jesus clearly shows us what he's about. He shows us what he's all about. And if, if he's about it, then, then we ought to be the, about the things that Jesus is about. You know what I mean? Like, and, and he shows us like so simple and so clear. Um, in Matthew 22, I know you've, you've seen this verse before, but Jesus is, he's surrounded by these religious people, you know, the Sadducees, and, and uh, he, he kind of shows them up in a really clever way, because that's kind of what Jesus did. You know, a little sarcasm is real clever. And uh, he, he had them pull out a coin in their pocket, and he just, he just made them look like fools, dropped the mic, and was like, all right, who's next, you know? And, and then the Pharisees roll up, and he's like, okay, all right, Pharisees. We got more religious people to deal with. And the Pharisees are sitting there, and they're trying to trap him in public because they're trying to show that Jesus is not who he says he is. So look at Matthew 22. And this is, uh, this is the great commandment, you know, as we know it. And in verse 35, it says, One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with his question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So let me first just say, you know, before we read the next part, um, you know, if we are so caught up in religion, right, and tradition, like the Pharisee, we can miss out on the mission of Jesus. If we become so wrapped up in, oh, this is, this is how we do it, these are the things we do, you know, you come in, you do this at this time, and then you, you know, that's, that stuff's not bad, but I'm just saying, if we get so wrapped up in that, we can miss out on Jesus. We really can. So I want to ask, you know, I just want us to think, you know, we, we've got to stop asking the question, uh, why aren't we doing this the way we've always done it? And we need to start asking the question, no matter what the cost, whatever it takes, what can we do to carry out the mission of Jesus? So verse 37, again, he, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Look, I get it. You've heard this verse a thousand times, but has it changed your entire your entire world yet? Has it wrecked your life to the point where, you know, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind is completely sold out and surrendered to what Jesus is doing. So the first thing is love God. Love God. So think about it. If you showed a picture of Jesus to anyone, almost anywhere in the world, you know, they would recognize him. Like how amazing is that? That the most known person in the world, the most famous person to ever live, the, the person that had the most influence in history in just 33 years, you know, 7 billion people on the earth now, 
Four to five billion people have lived already, and Jesus is by far the most significant ever. Hands down. And this person that we're talking about, Jesus, says the most important thing is this, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. There it is. You know, like, we could just leave it at that. Let's do that, and we'll be good. And and some of us think, you know, like, hey, I love God, you know. God is awesome. Um, but I think truthfully, though, you know, kind of, we kind of leave out the second part with everything that we are. And I, I love how Jesus, when he says, with all your heart, he starts off with your heart. That's because your heart is the seed of your passion. Like, your heart ultimately leads you to your destiny. And Jesus says, love God with all of it. And then Jesus continues on in verse 39. And he says, an e- a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So we see love God first, and then we see love people, including yourself second. But see, like I, like I started off, I said, we want to love God. We want to serve all. We want to live sin. Why do we say serve all? Why don't we just say love, why don't we just say love people? At Manor, we believe the most biblical way to love each other is by serving each other. In John 3.16, you know, it says, For God loved the world, the whole world, everyone that he gave. And then if we look at Matthew 20.28, 20, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So God showed us his love by giving us Jesus who served. And he did not, he did not serve exclusively. You know, Jesus didn't kind of pick and choose who he served on earth. He came for everyone. He came for the world. God's love of the world that he gave Jesus. And the Savior of the world said that this was equally the most important thing. So we should really do this well if we're going to say we're going to be about what Jesus was about. And then the third thing is to live sent. What are we about as a church? Loving God, serving all, living sin. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is the Great Commission. It's also in Matthew 28.19, Go make disciples, which when you translate that to the Greek, it closely translates to uh, make followers of me, make learners of me. Um, but I love this translation in Acts 1-8. I love this, you know, rendition of that moment. Um, because Jesus is standing with 120 Christians at the time. You know, they're, they're around and, and he's talking, um, and, and he's talking about being live, he's talking about living sent. But when I say living sent, you know, I think there's some confusion there. Like, um, if, you know, I, I just don't think everyone completely gets the term. Living sin. I, I just know I'm only here. I've only been here for 60 months. When I came, I saw live sin on shirts. I was like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't get it, you know? Um, but here's, here's what it means. Um, and, and here's why this is what our church needs about, needs to be about. So like, you know, we read Acts 1-8 and, uh, and when Jesus is saying this, you know, him and his disciples are in Jerusalem. Can we pull up that map? It's kind of, actually, go ahead and zoom in. Let's do the, okay, there we go. So when Jesus and his disciples are having this conversation, they're in Jerusalem. So find Jerusalem on the map, and they're standing around, and Jesus is saying, make followers of me in Jerusalem. He says that first. He says, look, 
We're here. Make followers of me here. But then he goes on to say, throughout Judea and Samaria. And I've always wondered, I'm like, why, why Judea and Samaria? And I think it's really interesting. If we look on the map, they were the towns right on the other side of Jerusalem. They were the nearby places around Jerusalem where the disciples were. He says, hey, make disciples of, of me here. And then I want you to go make disciples in that town and this town. And what's really interesting is that, you know, I did some research. There's a scale on the map and I, I took, you know, I did like the old fashioned way. You take a ruler, you know, and you do the scale and you, so I measured the distance from the center of Judea. I'm sorry, from Jerusalem to the center of Judea. And it's about 10 miles. So if you look from Jerusalem to Judea, it's about 10 miles away. So I was like, Hey, that's 10 miles away. What's 10 miles away? So I went on to MapQuest, or uh, not MapQuest, nobody uses that, Google Maps, and uh, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. Uh, so I went on to Google Maps, and I typed in Mandarin Baptist Church, and then I typed in St. John's. How many of you live in St. John's? Several. A lot of people live in St. John's. Um, so I typed in the distance in St. John's to the center of St. John's from our church is 10.7 miles away. So if Judea is about 10 miles away from Jerusalem, and that's where he's sending them out to the neighboring communities. So I was like, whoa, that's okay. That's cool. Um, but then I measured how far away Jerusalem is from Samaria, and I, I did the roller thing again, and it's 25 miles away. Jerusalem is 25 miles away from Samaria. I was like, okay. So I, typed, I went to Google Maps again. I typed in Manor Baptist Church, um, and then I typed in Clay County. From Maynard Baptist Church to the center of Clay County, it's 24.6 miles. So Jesus is standing in Mandarin, and he's saying, go to St. John's and make followers of me. Go to Orange Park, make followers of me. Make followers of me here. And then I love the next part. And he says, and to the ends of the earth. And to the ends of the earth. So like I said, tomorrow we're sending off a team, 16 to Haiti. Um, in the fall, we're sending off a strong team to Guatemala. Um, living Scent, though, in this context, here's all Living Scent is. It's living intentionally like God placed you wherever you are. If God's placed you in Mandarin, you've been sent here to reach people in Mandarin. And then we're going to go to Orange Park, we're going to go to St. John's, and we're going to go to the ends of the earth together. That's what Living Scent is. Um, you know, you are here to lead people, not just, you know, not just to give them a better lives, not just to serve them, although that's one of our core values, but you're, you're here and you're there to share Jesus with them. Like that's all that matters in the context of a long life is, is whether someone saw Jesus face to face and had their lives dramatically changed by them. Because, you know, we can, we can give out bread and water and we should. But ultimately, they're just going to be hungry or thirsty again. They need the bread of life, and they need the living water that is Jesus. So at Mandarin, we're about being a church that loves God with everything we are. We're about being a church that serves all, the rich, the poor, the loved, the unloved, everyone. And we're about being a church that lives sent in our city, our neighboring counties, and the world. That's what, that's what it means to love God, serve all, and live sent. So I want to look at, at uh, one more thing, um, and it's in, it's in Luke chapter 7, because the reason why I want to look at this is because it ties the whole thing together. It ties what it really means to, 
to love God, serve all, and live sent together. And it's in Luke chapter 7, if you want to turn your Bible, or, or it'll be on the screen. And it's another story. And interestingly enough, it's, it's Jesus again with a bunch of religious people. You know, he seems to be constantly fighting them, which is interesting. And uh, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. This is verse 36. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Then in verse 39, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman was touching him. She's a sinner. And then verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Okay, that's awesome. If you can think something and someone answers what you're thinking, like you've got my attention, you know? So verse 40, Jesus answered his thoughts. He says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead. And then Jesus answers with a story. And he says, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more than that? And then we skip to verse 47, and Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, he's talking about this woman at his feet, her sins, they are many, but they've been forgiven. So she has shown, she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Um, I love this story of grace, and uh, especially I love the context of the story because, you know, th- there's this, the religious guys doubting Jesus, and, uh, and because he's spending time with a sinner, um, the fact that this lady is not broke is kind of interesting to me. You know, like, she obviously had some money to buy the jar. She obviously had some money to buy the perfume and bring it to Jesus, and, you know, she has some sort of wealth, but guess what? She's realized that her money's not enough to fill her void. And though she's not hungry, though she's not thirsty, she is desperately seeking an eternal God. And she kneels at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus serves her by showing her grace. When I was 18, um, right out of high school, I worked in uh, Live Oak, Florida. Anybody know where Live Oak, Florida is? So I, first year of my life, I lived there. I've got a bunch of family. Well, my uncle Lynn actually lives over there and, uh, he was, he was going to employ me for the summer. Um, so I was pretty excited about it, you know, but Lynn is, my uncle Lynn is crazy about being on time. Like, I mean, he is crazy about it. So you don't show up late to anything and, and I'm working for this guy. So I obviously had to be on time every time. And, uh, uncle Lynn also had a dog. He had a family dog, and uh, the dog was coincidentally named Sassy. So uh, this dog was just mean. Like, I mean, she would just look at you and be like, I hate your guts, you know? She did not like us at all. And Sassy was always, she was always right in the way. Anytime you were trying to go somewhere, like, she would be right at the threshold of the door. So you would open the door and then trip over her and tumble down along the driveway. Like, she was the worst. So one day, um, it's time for work. I'm going to go to work for my Uncle Lynn. Uh, I set my alarm, but it doesn't go off. And I wake up five minutes before I'm supposed to be at work, and it takes 10 minutes to be there. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lynn is going to go crazy. Like, this is it. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to have anywhere to sleep. Like, it's, it's all over. And, and so I'm like rushing out of the, I jump out of bed, throw on a t-shirt, like backwards. Um, I'm like stumbling down the stairs, you know, trying to get my shoes on and stuff. I, I run out the door and I get in my car and I bump my head on the car. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, cause I'm, I'm in a hurry. And then I get it and I put the car in drive and, and I'm off and I'm like, I'm off. And then I go, boom, boom. I'm like, was that sassy? So I'm like, oh my goodness. No, I probably wasn't sassy. So I just keep driving off and I'm like, ah, and then my conscience coming back. I'm like, no, I think it was sassy. So I put it in reverse and I drive back and I'm going, and then bump, bump. I'm like, oh gosh. I ran over that dog twice. I'm just kidding. I actually ran over it once, but. It was funny, but I ran over sassy and I'm like, okay, it's decision time. I can stay and I can own this or I can get out of here and act like it never happened. I don't know what happened to that dog. I don't even know that dog at all. So I'm like, no, I pick up the phone. I call Uncle Lynn and uh, Lynn answers the phone. He goes, why aren't you on time? You know, I'm like, hey, I ran over your dog. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I was in a hurry. I'm really sorry. I ran over your dog. And he's, he's just like, what? You know, and I pull the phone away. It's just like, ah, 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 ah. I'm just like, ah, this is it for me. This is it. My life is over. My job is done, you know, and then there's this pause of silence. And, uh, I'm like, oh goodness, he's not on the phone because he's coming over here to shoot me, you know, like, <laughs> and there's this pause of silence. And, uh, and then Lynn comes back on the phone and he says, Joel. I forgive you. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. Now get that dog to the vet. <laughs> um, but have you ever been shown grace? You know, when you, when you didn't deserve it, like at all. I deserve nothing but getting yelled at in a bill for the dog, you know, for breaking the dog. By the way, by the way, we found out the dog was fine. Um, couldn't really do anything about it. It healed. It's fine. It, every time I go over there, though, it gives me this weird look and, like, growls at me. It, like, knows I did it. But um, but have you ever been shown grace? And, and here it is. Here's what grace has to do with loving God, serving all, and living sin. If we're going to be a church that loves God, serves all, and lives sin, it's impossible to recognize grace as our motivation. Because it was by grace that we were saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. We couldn't do anything to earn it. It's only by the grace of God, and that's got to be a motivation for loving him, for serving him, and for living sent for him. So just to wrap up, I want to wrap up with three quick things. And uh, the first one is this. Loving God is expressing that we have been graced. Loving God is expressing that we have been graced. So Jesus says, this woman loves me much because she's been forgiven much. Jesus loves me much. This woman loves me much because she has been forgiven much. So if we, if we can remember the depths of what we have been forgiven for, we will love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And then serving all is reflecting grace. So serving is just a natural outcome of the recognition of God's grace in our lives. 
Just like we see in the story, you know, when we live as graced people, we will serve. Um, and when we serve, we will reflect the grace that's been given to us by God. And then the last one is living sent is extending grace. Living sent is extending grace. There's only one thing that is most important um, about the people that we are reaching at this church, and it's that they need Jesus. Living sent is extending grace to all. So if this is what Jesus is about, then, then this is what Mandarin needs to be about. If Jesus makes it this plain and this clear and this simple, we need to be about those things as a church. If we're going to see his mission continue. If you guys would bow your heads, uh, close your eyes with me. God, we love you so much. We love you so much. God, may we be a church that loves you with everything that we are. With all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. God, we thank you for Jesus and his example of grace. God, I thank you that this church, at, at this time, at this point in history, we get to be a part of what you're doing. God, don't let us miss it. I pray that whatever the cost, whatever it takes, God, your mission would be number one at this church. We ask for opportunities to show your grace, to extend your grace to others. Let nothing stand in the way of that. So this morning, with all, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, um, we're about to sing a song, and, and I love the song. It's Jesus Paid It All, because we could never pay it. So just with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, let's just let this be a song of response. Whatever Jesus is leading you to do in this moment, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do in this moment, just respond to that. When we recognize the grace we've been given, our natural reaction is loving, serving, and living sin. And this morning, if there's any, any of you, you know, there's three, there's three types of people in here. Those who haven't experienced grace, those who are looking for grace, and those who are in need of grace but don't know it yet. If Wherever you're at, you know, there's going to be pastors in the missions room immediately following service. We would love to pray with you. We would love to talk to you. We would love to share with you how you can accept that grace as well. But for this moment, let's just respond. Let's just... Let's give Jesus all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind right now at Mandarin Baptist Church on this morning. God, we thank you for what you're about to do. We thank you for what you're done. Jesus, we love you so much. Amen.